the series today. There we go. We're wrapping up the series today called Unfazed. And we started this series three weeks ago uh, talking about how to flourish in life. And on the front of your program, uh, you'll see an image there of a tree that is growing in the midst of maybe some kind of desert area. And oftentimes in life, uh, we want to be just like that tree. Uh, We want to flourish. We want to grow. But many times all that we can see is what's around us that just kind of dries us up and it can dry us up spiritually and physically and emotionally. And we can actually feel like life is is withered. It's just kind of rattling. It's overwhelming and it can like weigh on us. And so the goal of this series is how to kind of match the picture in our mind that we want to to really grow and flourish in life with the realities that life oftentimes doesn't look like that. Oftentimes life, again, just it can overwhelm us. And so we started uh, three weeks ago talking about how to to not be unfazed by distraction. And uh, if you're like me, there's so many things in life that vie for our attention, that pull us in numerous directions and they stretch us. And it's really hard to make progress when you're kind of at 17 places at the same time. And so we looked at how does God in a relationship with him help us to actually focus on what pleases him in the middle of the things that, that can distract us. Uh, the following week, we talked about how to, to not be unfazed by intimidation. And in the world, there's so much going on that can fill us with fear, uh, things that can just cause anxiety. It could be the future. It could be our past. It can even just be the present with all the different events that are, that are going around us. So how uh, can we also, in the middle of fear, choose a courage? And how how does a relationship with God help us with that? And then last week we talked about sickness and how sickness and declining health and just overall the the frailty of life, how that can rob us of joy as well. And so how how do we in the middle of these things, sickness and intimidation and distraction, how can we continue to flourish in life? And then today I'm going to wrap up the series talking about how to be unfazed by culture. And I want to define culture because it's a, it's a word that we use uh, many times in, in our current world. And so I just want to kind of turn to what the definition of, of culture is so we're, we're on the same page. According to, to Webster, a culture is the characteristic features of everyday existence, existence such as diversions or a way of life shared by people in a place of time. Your family and my family has its own culture, uh, the way that we treat each other, the way that you were raised, the way that the family relates. And you know this because every time you get back together with your family, things go a certain way. And depending on your role in family life, you can be like, just like 20 years ago, it's kind of everyone fits the same roles that they, they've always had. Uh, we live in an American culture and that has a certain culture to it. And then there's subcultures that have cultures to it as well. Uh, there's also church culture that we try to have here at Church in the Valley. And we actually want to purposely embed and live by a certain culture of how to love God and how to love people. And what does that look like on a Sunday morning? What does that look like in our group life? And we want everything to have a culture that really does honor God. But culture exists everywhere. And if we're not careful, if you're a follower of Christ, you can get pulled by the culture of living independent from God. That in itself is a culture. Independence from God, being self-sufficient, standing alone, having enough power to make 
me who I want to be. That itself is a culture. And naturally, we all like that culture. We all like to be self-sufficient. We all like to get what we want. We all like to make sure that we're, we're number one. That, that actually is embedded in us. That's the culture of independence. That's the culture of sin. And so there, there's a pull in our hearts because of sin that we all long for that. If you don't believe me, have you ever gone to a playground where young kids are playing? When somebody snatches the ball away from another kid, what is the natural tendency? You're welcome there. You can play with the ball. Is that what, is that what you see? No. That's my ball. And then they snatch it. And then, wait, you took the ball that I snatched from you. And then you snatch it back. And this, this sums up toddler life, young life. And it even sums up adult life too. Have you ever got cut off on the freeway? Now it gets real, right? I went from playground to driving. But have you ever got cut off on the freeway and somebody cuts you off and there's a part of you that like, you know, I want to get in front of them and do the same exact thing. You ever, you ever done that? You've seen it, right? You've seen it, but you've never done it. But isn't there a pull in you where you like payback? Well, that's this, this idea that if somebody wrongs me, I want to wrong them. You do that to me, I'm going to do that to you. And there's always initiators. Sometimes it's done to us. Sometimes we do it to others. And it, it's just this vicious cycle of independence. We're number one. So that's just the natural inclination we all have. However, in our culture, because that's the natural inclination, we, we, we get pulled in that direction even more. So there's just a natural tendency in us to be number one. And then we look at the, around the world and that's what everyone seems to do. And so it just makes sense to us. It makes sense to everyone else. And we can just get pulled in this direction. And so the premise today I want to talk about is how do you become unfazed by just that pull to make yourself the most important thing in your world? It's actually counterintuitive because you think to get what you want, you have to make yourself the most important. To have a good life, it seems like you need to put yourself in front of everyone else because no one else is going to help you out. This is the natural world that we live in. Dog eat dog. We experience this. We see it. We feel it. There's a pull in us and we can see it around us. And then you turn on the TV and you watch movies and then those values are displayed in lights. Like this is the good life. Pursue your happiness. Get what you want. Now, it's not good to hurt people, but if they're in the way of you getting what you want, sometimes you need to do it. Now, you want to do good, except if you really want something and it's going to make you happy, it might be okay to just cut this corner this time. Right? And we pay movie, pay money to see movies that entertain us that highlight this. Things like power and success and money and relationships. They all have a certain culture to what is good and what is not. And in Western culture, it's, it's been hundreds of years of building life independent from God. But if you base your life on that standard, you actually do not have the promise that it gives you. You actually dry up. And so I'm going to talk about that this morning. I want to show a, a brief clip from A Bug's Life just to illustrate this, this pull in us. Let, let's watch this together. I can't help it. It's so beautiful. 
Any questions? Now, now that we're like, okay, we're, we're not bugs, really. Come on. But have you ever seen what other people have and you compare yourself to that person? Have you ever wanted a job that somebody has at your work? They got the promotion and you didn't and you want it. Or have you ever had somebody that drives the new car and you're in the parking lot and you go to your car and then you see their car and you just think like, why do I have this car? You ever done that? You ever gone into your house and maybe you rent a house and you just wish, man, I just wish I owned my own house so I could do whatever I want. Or have you ever owned a house and you just wish you rented it so you didn't have to fix all the problems? What happens in, in the world is oftentimes we, we don't realize that there's just lights going around us that are drawing us in. And if we're not careful, if you're a Christian, you get pulled to follow that light and that light will actually not illuminate your life. It leads you to the darkness. And if you're not a Christ follower and you're investigating what it means to be a Christian this morning, I want to show you how, how to kind of kind of peel back the layers of, of the lights that attract us to, to actually answer the question is does putting myself first and living independently from God, does that actually bring the good life that it promises? And part of you can answer that yourself right now, because if you live independently from God and you're pursuing success and money and power, there's a part inside of you. If you're honest with yourself, you know that it's actually not as fulfilling as it seems. The reason I know that is that's because God designed the world to work in a certain way. And if you go contrary to that, life does not come together the same way. And if you are a Christ follower, there's a part of you that right this morning are battling with the lights around you. And the question that you're answering yourself is, is following God really worth it? Is it really worth it? It costs so much, but is it worth it? And that's okay to ask that question. In fact, all of us have to answer the question. Is following God worth it? Because if it's not worth it, then why would you do it? But at the same time, there are millions of people who've decided to follow Jesus Christ throughout history and right now in the world that are Christians. And they've decided that following God is worth it. And so what do they see that, that we need to see? So that's partly what I want to talk about today. Over the course of this series, we've been digging into the book of Psalms in the Old Testament of the Bible. And here at Church in the Valley, we, we want to talk about the Bible because we believe that God has given it to us as ultimate truth, capital T. There's no truth that compares to the scriptures. There's no truth that compares to what he's given us in the Bible. It's inspired. It means it's supposed to show us how life works and it works that way. If God says that life works that way, it works that way. So here at Church of Life, we place authority on the scriptures because God gave it to us. He breathed these words so we can live by them. But the good thing about the Bible and the Psalms specifically is that they deal with real issues and real people and real solutions to the problems that we face. So we don't just want to talk about issues and problems and just go home thinking, well, I learned another thing I can't do. But the goal of the scriptures is actually to equip you, to ready you to live life in a way that pleases God. And that, that's what I want. 
as a Christ follower, I actually want to live the best life and I want to be successful. But I don't want to do it to make myself number one. I actually want to do that because if I'm living life God's way, he will bring success because he's God and he's designed the world to work. So if I align with him, I'm actually living the best kind of life there is. So each of us have to wrestle with that. And so the psalmists, they kind of deal with life and frustrations and anger. And there's raw accounts of following God and trying to follow after him. And so over the goal of the series, we've been digging into the scriptures to kind of unpack that. And today is no different. There's people thousands of years ago that looked around them that feared God. Fearing God doesn't mean that you're just afraid of him. Fearing God means he's God. He said life works this way. And therefore, I'm going to live my life the way that he says. Do you take him seriously enough to obey him? That's what it means to fear him. So for thousands of years, people have decided that fearing God and obeying him is far better than life independent of him. But the psalmists and people throughout scriptures have battled that. And and we battle that today. And so I want to talk a little bit about this pull of the culture that shows us or teaches us or that wants us to buy into the idea that, that we can flourish in life apart from God. And that's what culture tells us. We can flourish in life apart from God. Listen to this account in Psalm 73 of the psalmist that's looking around. And as I read this, note the things that, that he sees and the pull it has on him. It says, truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. So, There's this idea of people that follow God, they have God's goodness. He treats them with kindness. For those that are pure in heart, they they don't have mixed motive. They decide they're going to follow him. But then read what comes next. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. So I believe this is true, but I started to lose track. I started to lose my traction in life. Why? For I was envious of the arrogant When I saw the prosperity of the wicked. So what the writer is saying is following God brings goodness. If you don't have mixed motives and you you really want to live for him, that's good. But the Bible is real. It's showing the pull in us. But everywhere I look, there's arrogant people that are saying they don't need God. They don't want God. And they have prosperity. He's saying that their life is good. So Psalm 73 is is bringing us into this struggle. Life following God is a good life. Yet, people that don't follow God seem to have it all together. They seem to have everything that they want. They seem to be happy. So you see that, that tension. And then the psalmist goes on in verses 4 and 5. For they have no pangs until death. Like, no worries. They don't worry about anything. They're just living life and then they they're going to die. Their bodies are fat and sleek. Now, that kind of sounds like P.H.A.T., like fat, you know, but the fat here is referring to like healthy. See, in, in in Eastern cultures, it's actually beneficial to be fat. In American culture, that's like the last thing you want. But if if you're a little bit bigger You have enough money to eat more than you should. That's kind of what it's saying. Like they're fat, they're healthy and then sleek. It's like they, they just, they look good. 
In our culture, it would be somebody that's just dressed in a suit. They have it all together. They have the picture of success. Then he goes, they are not in trouble as others are. They are not stricken like the rest of mankind. So the psalmist is saying, there's this group of people that don't have a reference for God. They don't account for God. They don't factor him into anything. And they look like they have it all together. Have you ever thought that yourself? There's two sides to this. You, you may be not a Christian yet. And part of what's holding you back is you think, my life, I have it all together. Why would I need God? When my life is, is good. There's just a part of you that there's no loss in your life. You have everything you need. The other side of that is if you are a Christian and you struggle with this and you look around you and you, you see people that have things that you want and they're not even Christians. So they're just pulling you like, man, am I going to be just in need the rest of my life? Is God going to take care of me? And you have all sorts of questions inside of you. And we all wrestle with this, no matter what spectrum you're on. We don't need God. We have it all together. We have God. Why isn't my life more together? And that's what the psalmist is bringing, bringing up. And so these conclusions that, that he's writing, are not, they're not actually conclusions. They're more observations. And this is what the psalmist is saying. Here, here's some things that I've seen. And the scriptures are written so that these observations can be observations that we can identify with. People oftentimes think that the Bible is an ancient book that's irrelevant to life. But many times those people that think that have never read it. But when you read the scriptures and you read this account that was written thousands of years ago, doesn't that sound like world today? Doesn't that sound like some of the struggles we have ourselves? Comparison? Things don't add up? The struggle? I'm trying to do the right thing, but it seems like the wrong people get ahead, right? Since describing culture right now, that's why it's so helpful to read it for yourself because it, it's illuminating. It's, it gives these observations that, that we can relate to. Really briefly, I, I want to just highlight the difference in some value structures. Okay, this is just to give you kind of a broader reference. When I talk about the culture of the world, that's living independent from God. And then the culture of living life devoted to him. How are those two things different? I want to give you a summary. This isn't on your handout, but you can kind of jot this down, but you'll see it up, up here on the screen. Here, here's a comparison between the usual value scale. If you can show that up there. And then the Bible's value scale. Okay. First is the, the focus. The usual value scale is, is what is native to us, what we're born with. We're born with the native tendency to put ourselves first. Again, we know that because we see it. It exists from a young age. If you're a parent of a young child, you get surprised when they show their will a lot earlier than you expected. Like you go to grab something. No. You're like, whoa, wait, where did that come from? And then you see it in them and you realize that's the same thing in you. Right. That's me first. That's the that's the focus. Me first. The, the Bible's value scale is, is God first. Okay, very different. Lead you down two different paths. So if you don't fill the pull, you're, you're in one, one category or the other. Okay, so that's the focus. Me, verse, me first versus God first. Okay, the next is the, the number one priority. If you're first, your number one priority is your desires. 
But if God's first, the number one's priorities are, are God's desires. Again, those are very different. This we have to do. Me first, my desires. We, we just, whatever feels good. Whatever we want. Whatever makes you happy. But see, a Christian can't just live by whatever makes them happy. Or whatever feels good. Because what if what makes you happy and whatever feels good doesn't reflect God first or his desires? So there's a difference there. Okay, so that's the number one priority. The second priority on the usual value scale is, is I just need enough. I need to take care of me so that me and my desires get met. Okay, uh, have the life that I want. I need to make a certain amount of money. I need a certain amount of status. So I have enough. So my life can be good. The priority for, for God's kingdom is, is people. It's not actually about getting what you want for your desires and for you first. It's actually others. And that's why Jesus' teaching when he came was so powerful. Because everyone was concerned with themselves and getting enough. He was concerned with loving others. And putting others in front of himself. Sacrificing. So the way of the kingdom was, was very different. The other priority, number three priority, the usual value scale is, is personal peace. How many of you just want to wake up and just not be hassled? Right? You just, you just want to get to work. And man, if the, the roads could be clear, that's even better. And if you get to work and get into your space where it's an office, cubicle, or desk, wherever you are, and just you get to focus on what you need to focus on without anyone bothering you, doesn't that seem like a good day? Like, that would be an excellent Monday. We want peace. And oftentimes the peace is translated, do I have enough? If I have enough, I have peace. If I don't have enough, I struggle. And then I fight for my desires in me first. See, the, the cycle just kind of perpetuates itself. For the kingdom, the Bible's value scale, it, it is God's kingdom specifically. What's counterintuitive is that if you build God's kingdom, and God's kingdom really refers to he is the king, the creator king. Who's designed the world, the world to work a certain way. And if I live life his way, I'm going to build his kingdom, not my own kingdom. So what he wants is more important than, than what I want. But what's so interesting is that if you build God's kingdom, do you know what you get? You get peace. But if you actually look for peace by putting yourself first and getting enough and your desires, you don't get it. You actually don't get the very peace that you want. Interesting. Another priority. Fifth priority is family. Or sorry, work. I got to work to get what I want. I work in the biblical values to live and, and to give. So I, I need to work. It's good to work. I need to make money. It's good to make money. But I, I don't just get money to kind of fuel my own empire. I get money so I have enough to support my family and then also to be generous and to give to others. Very different. So you can see that this scale works itself out. And I think there's one more. Number five priority, family and other stuff. So family and, and then everything else. And then other priorities and then there's one more. 
can't see that on the side, I don't think. But the number six priority, God's desires, my desires. So you see the difference here. And this is the normal approach. In, in culture, independence from God is, I'll, I'll fit God in. But after I get everything else. Right? Like, you know, Jesus, he's, he's a good teacher. I could learn from him. But after everything else. And so it, it's flipped. The reason I want to bring this up is, is if you're you know, interested in following Jesus, this is going to be the struggle the rest of your life. And if you are a Christian, you know this struggle. is that you're living in the world and you're battling your own sin that's teaching you and drawing that this is the right way. Me first. But to live life God's way, it actually is, is opposite. It's him first. And so our culture is saying, this is the life. Commercials, they're drawing on you buying products in this value scale. And when you read the scripture, it's this. This is helpful to know because this is really what's at stake. Because when I'm asking the question, is it worth it? Well, it depends. If you want to put yourself first, following Jesus is not worth it. Because you can't. You have to put God first. But if you want the best kind of life, you actually can get it. But each one of us has to wrestle with, with that. Does this make sense? So this is just kind of a broader just a, a framework. So, so what, what do we do? I want to kind of turn the corner here. And that, that is, if the culture is saying that you can flourish apart from God, the real life, the best life is on this side. The tension is actually when you dig into the scriptures and when you get to know God, you, you find that that is a lie. It's not true. In fact, to flourish in life means that you need to commit to God's way. Why? Because committing to God's way is how to truly flourish. The scriptures are written so we can see that. And then we live life with God so we can experience it. And here at Church in the Valley, we talk about these types of things, not just to fill you with new ideas, but we want you to be able to take this and see if this is true in your life. To live it out. To apply it. God doesn't just want us to learn more. He actually wants us to live differently then we can actually change our lives and, and the world around us. So we need to commit to his way to truly flourish. And it happens in, in three things or in three ways. The first is to stop comparing. I want to turn to Psalm 37. And there's some really helpful verses. And the next step today is you could read Psalm 37 on your own this next week. Okay, that's one of the next steps. And you can kind of see the comparing and contrasting, the cause and effect. If you've not read the Bible on your own, read Psalm 37. And if you need a Bible, you can let us know on your connection card. We would love to get to get you one. But there's three things you can do to begin to experience this new way of living. The kingdom way, God's way. And that is the first is to stop comparing. And Psalm 37 says this, fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green 
herb. The idea is so many times when we get into comparison, we're looking at other people and their success. We're looking at other people and their status. We're looking at other people in their life. And we think, why can't I have that? What the Bible tells us is to really deal with that root problem. Stop it. it. Sometimes the Bible just tells us straight. Stop. Fret not. Don't worry about what other people have. Now, for each of us, again, that struggle is different. It may not be what people look like, but it may be what, what people have. Maybe a relationship somebody has that you wish you have. And you're pleasing God. And it's like, why don't I have that? And it just it kind of grinds you inside. See, what happens is what the psalmist is saying is we're looking at people independent from God. And they tend to look like a meadow, like the sweeping meadow here. People that have no account for God. They don't live for him. They don't factor him in. Their life looks like this. So green. And isn't the grass always greener? It's so green. But what the psalmist is saying is it's actually, it looks green, but there's no root to their life. They're not rooted in God. And so what you've seen as, as green is a mirage. It will fade. Those independent from God, their life is more like this. Now, what's sad is I've had yards that have looked like this. And I haven't even had to do that on purpose. But this is what the psalmist is saying is. If it's not rooted in God. Over time. It's going to die. And all you're going to have is this. So stop, stop comparing what you see is not real. And that's such an important thing to realize in life is you need to see things differently to change. If you keep seeing things the same way, you just end up on the cycle. And so what the psalmist is saying is stop. It will fade. And it goes for, he goes further uh, later in the, the, the psalm. It says, I have seen a wicked, ruthless man spreading himself like a green laurel tree. But he passed away and behold, he was no more. Though I sought him, he could not be found. This is like the picture of like the person in your high school that was the coolest, the most popular Right? Do you, do you remember who that person was? It seemed like they had it all together. What the psalmist is saying is the people that we think have it all together have the most success. Oftentimes you go back and you try to find them and their life is just it's in tethered. It's just falling apart. And if your life is not rooted in the Lord Jesus, that, that's where you will end up. So the psalmist is saying, wake up. You have to root yourself in God. And that's, that's the next part. So the first is you stop comparing. You just decide to do it. Don't believe the lie. The next is you need to start delighting. And that is rooting. Okay, you root yourself in God. He goes on in verse 3 and 4. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, can I, can I be honest with you? One of the things that's a struggle for all of us, especially Christians, is we take a verse like this and we memorize one part. 
You know which part we memorize? I mean, we want to we, we want to mark it and bumper sticker it, and it is. He will give you the desires of your heart. Yes, follow God. He will give you what you want. Do you know why that resonates with us? What's the usual value scale? What's the first one? Me. First, you mean I follow God and I get to be first? He's going to give me what I want. I told you, I want to be honest. But that's, that's that pull. It's like, okay, God, I'll follow you. As long as you hook it up, right? As long as you give me what I want. But you can't cut the scripture away from itself. Look at what it says. Trust in the Lord and do good. Okay. The, the trust is give your life to him. The first is to trust the Lord means you, you decide to follow him. He's your leader and your boss. What he says you do. He leads you. You trust him with your life. Then you trust him with the aspects of your life. Your job. You work hard at your job because you trust God in that. He gave it to you. You want to honor him in it. Your finances. He's given you your money. It is all his. Why do you give it back? Because it's his. You trust him in that. If you're a Christ follower, he's told you to give back 10%, not all of it, just 10%. Trusting in the Lord means I will do what he says. I will do that. And then the do good. It's active. It's not passive. It's not an idea. Christians have been given the task to change the world. It's not about just the desires of our heart. It's to trust and to do good. Doing good means I take initiative to meet the needs of those around me. Doing good means I share the difference that Jesus makes in my life, even if I might be ridiculed for it. Even if I may seem not cool. Because I could trust in the Lord. I'm going to do good. I'm going to serve my neighbors. I'm going to love my family. I'm going to love my friends. So I'm going to trust in him. Because he's told me to do it. And then I'm going to do good. And then there's this idea of, of dwelling. Dwell in the land. It, it's rooting in God. Independent from God, there's no root. It withers. But for those who decide to follow Christ, they root themselves in God. They delight in him. That means he is the one that determines my value. Not the world, not my status, not how much I own, not how much I possess, not what I look like. He, God, determines my status. So I can trust in him. I can do good. I can dwell in the land. And then I can delight. It's the idea that I can actually find satisfaction and happiness in him. And that's that, that idea. He will give you the desires of your heart. What we all want is a purpose. And we want an identity. We want to be okay. We want peace. The reason all of us get pulled by the culture is because we long to be content, to be okay, and to kind of fill this void in our hearts. And what God is saying is, if you follow me, 
the very things you long for and the deepest parts of yourself, you will get. You will get satisfaction. You will get an identity. You'll get a purpose. You'll get a direction. So, so that's, that's the promise. And the last is, so once you've stopped comparing and you've started delighting, the last is to wait on God's blessing. And that's connected to that last part. He gives you the desires of your heart. Read the scripture on waiting on God's blessing. It says, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. But those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. In Psalm 37, I don't have time to, to go over this, but it's, it's on your handout. And again, if you, you read it this week, it can give you some perspective. But there's a few of the promises of some of the blessing that, that God, God gives. Uh, the Lord promises these things. Peace. I've talked about that. Uh, more than enough. Again, the scale. I want enough. Enough to, to get what I want. Well, if you follow the Lord Jesus, you get more than enough. You get things that you didn't even imagine. Because he gives it to you. Uh, you get generational blessing. Things that you can't control. Once you die, your life is done. But if you follow the Lord Jesus and you build his kingdom, the scripture promises that your children and their children will be blessed. Can anyone's 401k do that? That could be squandered. Can anyone's retirement or inheritance do that? No, it can be squandered and wasted. But those who follow the Lord, they can bless generations. And then a future. Can anyone really control their future? No. Does anyone know their future? No. So you see, when, when you, it really comes down to it, the very thing that we pursue, it can't promise us this. Because only the God who's not bound by space and time can do it. Only the God who created us knows exactly what we need. So I want to encourage you. Don't be fooled by the light around you. It's not light. It's lies. And it's darkness. And it's saying you can have what you want. You can get what you want. But the Lord Jesus is calling to you. Don't be deceived. Come to me and I will give you life. I will give you peace. If you're a Christian, this should compel you to share this with those around you. There are people that work with you. There are people that live by you. There's your family. That they are caught in the cycle of trying to be good enough. They're caught in the cycle of thinking me first is going to get them the life that they want. And God may have placed you in their life, in their circle, to show them that you too thought that, but he changed your life. One of the best things I can experience in my life is talking to an adult who's decided to become a Christian. And they decided they no longer want to go the world's way in the way of the culture of me first. And they decide, I want to put God first. You know why it's the most encouraging? Because you hear a person that's experiencing joy for the first time. There's nothing like it. Somebody who's become a Christian that say, I got off the hamster wheel of culture and I'm experiencing life God's way. And it's the best picture. It just cuts right through. 
So this is the real life. This is how you're unfazed by anything. You decide to follow God and then you trust him with your life and you do good. You dwell in him. And you delight yourself. So I encourage you as I wrap up, consider where you are. And again, you may be caught in one one part where you're not a Christian yet. Be honest with where you're at in your life. Are you getting everything that you want? And are you actually satisfied and content? And if you are, then you might not have a reason for God right now. But I encourage you to really think about it and be honest. Because God will show you real life more than you even know. And if you are a Christ follower, I want to encourage you, be real with the comparison trap. Be real with the anxiety of just trying to keep up on the hamster wheel of culture. Admit that to God. And just maybe identify the things that you're comparing. And begin to trust him with those things in, in your own life. There's some next steps that you can take. Why don't everyone pull out your connection card that John had you fill out? Go ahead. You can make some noise rustling through that. And if you haven't yet finished filling out the connection card, uh, you can do that. And as soon as I'm done, I'm going to pray and you can drop that completed connection card uh, in there. If you have any prayer requests, we would love to pray for you this next week. I want to invite the band up as I as I wrap up. But there's some next steps that you can take. The first I've already mentioned, read read through Psalm 37 and note the cause and effect. Again, if you don't have a Bible, we'd love to get one to you. There's also uh, the Bible app by YouVersion. If you have a smartphone, you can download that. And that's got a great uh, resource just to, to read the Bible. And if you've never read the Bible before, you can click on versions and you can read the New Living Translation, NLT. And that, that could just kind of help you just learn a little bit more of God and his ways. So you might want to do that. And then the second is, for the first time, I accept Jesus as my Savior and I commit to follow him as Lord. This is for, for any of you who have not yet decided to become a Christian. You decide to become a Christian one time. And really what it is, it's the picture of moving from me first to God first. From God being a slice of your life to him being the core of your life. If you've never done that, I believe it's the most important decision you will ever make. And so if you check that, we'll follow up with you. We'll send you some resources. We want to help you learn what it means to be a Christian. And we want to help you become one. That's the thing that we want to celebrate the most here at Church in the Valley. And then third is invite blank. Invite someone in your life to advance or journey. Advance is going on Tuesday night. For you men, I encourage you to come. It can be very lonely in life, working, trying to provide, being responsible for everything that you have in your life. It can be overwhelming. What we need is we need to get around other men that are going through the same thing, but are continuing to move forward in life, trying to please God. We need encouragement. Men, we isolate ourselves. We tend to think that we don't need help, but we do. And so Tuesday night's an opportunity to come together. And then journey, I can't really speak to that with the same fervor. But I know as women, you need time to get around other women as well. You need encouragement. You need perspective. You need a place and a group where you can belong. And so I encourage you, we've designed this for people who who just need some more friendships, who need just some more opportunities to figure out what it means to live the Christian life. 
And want to do that in a safe environment where, where you can learn and where you can meet people. And so I encourage you, come on Tuesday if you're a man or Thursday if you're a woman. And then think of somebody who you can invite. I encourage you to do that. Let's pray together and then we're going to sing a song back to God. Let's pray. God, I, I admit, just even myself, that it is a battle to remember that life is better with you. So many times, it just seems like when we just do what we want to do and put ourselves first, that life's easier, it can be more fun. But the truth is, God, thank you for the reminder that if we're independent from you, we're, we're not rooted. Uh, we're not anchored in anything. And ultimately, we cannot grow. So, God, I pray for any of us today that are comparing with those around us. That are just caught in the, the worry of this world. I also pray for anyone here that's not yet decided to follow you as their boss. God, will you compel them and soften their heart? Will you just give them the strength right now to decide that they want to become a Christian? I pray, God, that, that you will speak to us as the creator king that you are. We ask all this in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, I haven't, if I haven't met you before, uh, I, I always hang out here to the front. and I'd, I'd love to meet you if this is your, your first or second time here at Church in the Valley. Thank you.